the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Wow, what a day, what a show. Um, you know, I, when I first started doing this show, Jerry Crowley asked me if I wanted to do two hours, if I was interested in doing two hours. And, um, you know, that was a little more than I could handle, considering I'm running a law firm here. But today's a day I wish I had two hours, because there's so much going on. We took a plea in the Lauren Pazienza case today. John Esposito is down in Atlanta, Georgia. He uh, presented Rudolph Giuliani today, and everywhere all over the place is his mugshot. Um, I have uh, Judge George Grasso calling in to talk about the migrant situation. I have Professor Eric Siegel going to call in because he's a professor down there at Georgia State University College of Law. So he's going to tell us a little bit about the procedures going on in uh, the Georgia State Courthouse. But I am honored uh, to have the next guest on, someone who I've known for a long time. Um, in, in certain regards, I admire. In certain regards, I scratch my head. And, and the difference is when I scratch my head, I hit a bald spot. When you scratch his head, the ponytail goes down to his backside almost. But he's a great guy um, on and off the air. And uh, he really is the creme de la creme of, of fighters for uh, civil justice. And, and in the world of criminal justice, he has really changed laws and and bent judges that are, were known to be unbendable, the one, the only, Ron Kuby. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Kuby. Well, thank you so much, Arthur, and thank you for that glowing introduction. I enjoyed hearing your law firm's ad running just before your show. Well, something like that, you That's know, every amazing. once in a while. I mean, I, I like it. I was wondering, why is Idawa hosting some law firm on his show? But it was your firm. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm not a radio so- superstar like you and Curtis were, and you had the number one show on ABC before some guy named Imus came came around. But you know, I do th- I I I do the best that I can, Ron. And I, you know, when I when and, and and I'm being very sincere because when I said you know you you do you fight the good fight, and you know what some of the judges have told me, uh, the older judges, and they tell me this, and I'll, I'll be as humble as I can be about my they, about my dad and how they miss my father and lawyers like my father who put up a fight really put up a fight who didn't just you know it wasn't a fee and a plea which is kind of what goes on a lot of times now especially in the federal uh criminal practice and Ron Kuby you are cut from that same cloth 
of someone who fights till the end, then you know you don't, you always do what's in the best interest of your client. But it is refreshing to have someone who still has a, a loud mouth and a strong set of uh, you know those things in your uh, in your pants to to fight the good fight. And you're in the middle of a big fight right now, and I that's why I wanted you to want, wanted you on, Rod, to talk about the fight you're fighting now in Queens. Well, nice segue, Arthur. Um, so, right, uh, I'll just get right to it. The case is, and I'm sure that people remember it, the, the Karina Ventrano case, uh, where ultimately a, a young man originally considered by the police to be, quote, too puny and weak to have committed the crime, uh, ultimately uh, was arrested for it, uh, set on, put on trial. The first jury hung. Uh, and looked like they were headed for acquittal before the judge, after only a day of deliberations, declared a mistrial. Uh, and in the second trial, he was ultimately convicted. That, of course, is Chanel Lewis, and he's serving a uh, wife without parole upstate New York. Uh, a, a lot of us were suspicious from the beginning uh, about his arrest, his prosecution. And, and the story that we were given, the public story, uh, was it was just dogged police work that one day, cold January day, a, a police lieutenant thought back uh, on a stop he had made many, many months ago and just had a hunch that that, that stop, uh, it was you know completely uh, uh, legal in the sense that Mr. Lewis wasn't doing anything illegal, wasn't charged with anything, of course. Uh, somehow that stop reminded him, yeah, maybe this guy did it. And they went ahead, they showed up at his home, they, they uh, got a DNA sample, and they claimed the DNA matched uh, some of the DNA found on uh, Karina Ventrano's body. So a lot of us thought that that story was just too, well, let's just say it was incredible. Incredible in the sense of not being actually credible. It now turns out, uh, although the Queens DA's office covered this up originally and the new progressive so-called uh, DA, Melinda Katz, who we all know from other, other endeavors, uh, it continues to cover up. That what had happened was they had gone to an unapproved lab uh, called Parabon, IPD had, and Parabon generated what's known as a racial phenotype based on the DNA that, that they had, and they claimed that the contributor of the DNA was black slash European. Well, that well, covers a that's, lot of ground. That, hold on. Well, hold on. Covers I, a lot of ground. But <laughs> Arthur, of those, of those two choices, I'll give you three guesses as to which one they focused on. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, Ron, I just, I just, let, let me just give the listeners a little context and a little, and a little background. Number one, Miss Vitrano was a very attractive Italian American young woman who went for a jog, and she turned, and she went missing, and then they found her body, and it's by any straight by all under all circumstances, it was an absolute tragedy, and she should be with us today. Number one. Number two, in the case. Probably because of the way she looked, but also her family, you know, really bringing a lot of attention to it. It was a headline grabbing case for quite some time. And there's an enormous amount of pressure on police to make an arrest under those circumstances. There is also an enormous amount of pressure then to gain a conviction. And just so folks will know, and I think uh, I think Mr. Kubi will back me up, even though jury deliberations are supposed to be secret, 
hypothetically, it is not out of the realm of possibilities for sometimes people to lean on a door and give a listen, or at the end of a day of deliberations, look at a legal pad and see NG, and it has two votes, and G, mm-hmm. it has three votes. And sometimes if a judge thinks a case is going sideways, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they jump right as the first opportunity they can to say, okay, let's do a do-over, because I'm assuming he was remanded at the time. So he's in jail, so he's not going anywhere, and we'll just start the whole trial all over again. Yeah, why not? Better than risking uh, an acquittal for somebody the hypothetical judge believes to be guilty. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard of that, Arthur. Indeed, I have. Okay, so, so tell so you so you find out about this lab. It's a Fakakta lab. It's not a, uh, a it's a private lab, correct? As opposed to a public correct. lab. Private lab, and and the the there were a myriad of of problems with this, but the biggest problem is all of this was hidden from the defense. Uh, there was not a single document on here that, that the defense received a trial that made reference to Parabon. There were hundreds and hundreds of documents that were not disclosed. And, and, and this was before, you know, we liberals got the discovery laws changed in 2020. Uh, so the judge didn't force the disclosure of those things. Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, wait, wait, Ron, you're you, we liberals. Why, you're a liberal? Yeah. Well, you moved you moved, but you moved to the right. I moved to the right. Well, I'm okay. just trying to contextualize it for, for your, your tens and tens of listeners here. Okay? Oh, yeah, thank you. Tens of thousands, you mean. Tens of thousands. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, and so all of this was was concealed. The evidence of Parabon's involvement was was withheld. The, the evidence of... of from a whistleblower letter saying there had been a racial dragnet targeting African-Americans all throughout the community, African-American men all throughout the community. There was no hearing ever held on that. And and it, it was all true that, in fact, there was a racial dragnet. It was it was a product of of this racial phenotyping by this private lab. It was consistently hidden from the defense. And as a consequence, the cops who got up on the witness stand and, and talked about the great police work that resulted in apprehending Chanel Lewis were not being, well, let's just say, they didn't tell the whole truth. Okay, and so Ron, before, before I run out of time, I just want to talk procedurally. So did, what did you file, a 44010 motion, a newly discovered yeah, evidence motion? That's exactly right. We filed a, a, a motion to overturn the conviction based on newly discovered evidence. We're asking for a hearing on these allegations. And to date, the DA's office has refused to answer the question, was there a racial dragnet? And interestingly enough, the judge has never asked them. Okay. Yeah. You want to, I know I know you're not shy, so you want to tell us what judge it is, or you want to hold that back? Yeah, it's it's, it's Michael Alloys. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Niagara Falls. He's all I will tell you is off the bench. He's a wonderful guy off the bench. As when off you... the bench, he's the greatest guy. His daughter used to intern with me at an old radio station that I used to work at. Yeah, lovely guy, lovely family man. Um, should retire. <laughs> okay. All right, Ron, I have to let you go. I have one last question. Do you think every criminal defendant is entitled to a a defendant a defense attorney standing by their side no matter, you know, how evil they are? 
Well, well, that's a, a fundamental constitutional right. But right. let's face it. But let's face it, Arthur. Not everybody is entitled to me, and not everybody is entitled to you. Because if everybody was entitled to Arthur Idala, there'd be a line of poor black people stretched out, you know, from where you are at the Empire State Building, dude. But instead, you're working pro bono for for. Rudy Giuliani? Well, the man who saved the city. All right. Oh, <laughs> Ron, <yeah>. thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Ron. You're so you're so yeah, excellent course, in this format. Rudy, down on his luck. Yeah, right. Well, All you know right, me. Dude. I stepped up. All right, folks. Rats Ron Kuby. We're going to come back with a great professor from Georgia right. State. Thanks, Ron. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Wish there was an easier way to navigate the world of real estate. If only there was a way to learn from the best. Well, now there is. Saturdays at 10, our very own Dottie Herman, vice chair of Douglas Elliman, gives you the inside track to what is hot in real estate. Stay one step ahead in today's seller's market as Dottie gives her tips on how to make it through the tricky waters. Doesn't matter if you're new to the game or a seasoned vet. You need to listen to Eye on Real Estate. Dottie and her team of experts will guide you as sellers and buyers to make sure you're getting the best value for your property. Whether you want to become a real estate agent or work within the business, there is no better person to learn from than the great Dottie Herman. Why? Because she is the best, period. <laughs> so tune in, Eye on Real Estate, Saturdays at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. That's Eye on Real Estate, Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock on AM 970, The Answer. Two things that hit a family budget the hardest, the price of gas and of groceries. Let us ease that pain at the pump when you enter the $18,000 gas and groceries giveaway. The grand prize winner gets $10,000 in gift cards for gas and groceries. Three first prize winners each get $1,000 gift cards, and 10 second prize winners will get $500 gift cards for gas and groceries. That's $18,000 total. To enter, go to am970theanswer.com. Visit Dennis Prager. Sign up today for an unforgettable experience in Israel this October. Mike Gallagher and I are traveling to the Holy Land on the Stand with Israel tour with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. This trip of a lifetime to Israel is one you don't want to miss. Register today before it's too late at StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or call 855-565-5519, 855-565-5519. With over 100 years of law enforcement and his family's blue blood, Tommy Setner gives a just-the-facts, bird's-eye street perspective on all things current events, politics, law enforcement, and entertainment. Joined by Robin DeLore, producer and entertainer. The Tommy Setner Show. Buckle up, America. Listen to The Tommy Setner Show with Robin DeLore weekdays at noon on AM 970, The Answer. So, is your husband or wife in a hospital? Is your significant other in a rehab center? Are people telling you that you or your family members are not eligible for Medicaid? These costs can bankrupt you. That's right, bankrupt you. But you shouldn't panic. You shouldn't be worried about it. Not now when you're healthy. You should call Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law, and be prepared. They've helped hundreds of people just like you with the same thing you could be going through in the future. 
Connors and Sullivan will tell you exactly what you're eligible for, and they'll also help you devise a plan to avoid such dire news as financial ruin. So call Connors and Sullivan. You're going to get a free initial consultation with a lawyer. Their number is 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. They have offices in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Don't wait. It's never too late, except if you're in that hospital rehab center. The time to act is now. Call Connors and Sullivan today. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. And after you speak to a Connors and Sullivan lawyer, you'll be so glad that you did. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in. iHeart or Odyssey.com. Alex Garrett behind the, the glass there, and then he pulls up Surrender. And that is what happened today to Rudolph Giuliani, our former mayor. And, uh, you know, my law partner, John Esposito, uh, accompanied him in securing a bond of $150,000, which is just some, such a mockery of the whole system. Trump's bond, that bond. I mean, really? that $150,000 for, for Rudy or 200000 for Trump is is going to stop them from fleeing the country and going hiding out in some embassy in, I don't know, Sweden. It's a joke. Um, the last time I spoke to Professor Eric Segal, I think it was last week or when, it was whenever the, the, the indictment came down and he was under a tremendous rush because everyone on the planet wanted to speak with him. So I am so lucky to have the professor back. Um, Eric Siegel, he is the Ash Family Chair Professor of Law at Georgia State University College of Law. Well, now um, my law firm is in the case, uh, Professor, so you can educate me a little bit more about how the, the criminal justice system works in the state of Georgia because I, 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 we just did a presentment today of, of Mayor Giuliani, but I believe there's going to be a full-blown arraignment uh, within the next two weeks. I have a uh, hi. Um, I, we have to stop meeting like this. Um, and I'd like <laughs> to say if Donald Trump wants to flee to a foreign country and stay there the rest of his life, I would probably take that. Um, so, uh, look, that listen, that, that's fine. But, Eric, you got to admit, the $200,000 bail, it, it does make a mockery of the system. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, well the, yes, that does. And that's, that, you're right, 100%. But, or maybe and, the, but the, the, the terms of bail, though, are very serious. And the DA here is showing that she is, she is going right down the line here. She denied a motion a few hours ago of Mr. Clark to have an emergency motion. She's been denying motions left and right. Um, the judge, excuse me, denying motions left and right. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, I, my, my law school building is a few blocks from that place. And we were supposed to have a faculty meeting tomorrow in person. And it's been moved to virtual because of security concerns. Obviously. So that gives you an idea what's, what's going on. Down. Well, yeah, but we're blocks away. I mean, you know, I'm not, I feel pretty safe in this law school, but maybe I shouldn't say that. Who knows? No, it's just uh, it's it, pandemonium. I mean, uh, Professor, yeah. we were, I was down at the courthouse here in Manhattan, the very first case. And mm-hmm. the only time that I saw media comparable and maybe even more was when, um, as Strauss Kahn got arrested because he was going to be the president of the International Financial right. Union or whatever. Right. And, and so it was right. like the whole media was here from France and Italy and Germany. It was like wild. 
But no, I, I, I think that's a good decision for your faculty to, to do it virtually. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I'm from New York and I spent a lot of time there. And don't get me wrong, Atlanta is a huge city, huge blue city, you know, in the middle of a uh, but, but really not as prepared as New York would be for events like, you know, for historical events like this. So do you anticipate the arraignment here being virtual or you think it's going to be live? I don't know the I'm sorry. You know, I, when I don't know, I say I don't know. No, no, I, I mean, so am I. There's very few lawyers that say they don't know. I'm one of them. I'm like, there's plenty I'm of stuff I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't I don't talk about things I'm not an expert in. Um, but it's going to be wild here for the next you know few months because these motions, these removal motions and immunity motions, and, and some defendants don't want to remove it, apparently. Which is there was a speedy trial motion that was filed today. Yeah. So that's fascinating by one of the co-defendants. We don't know what that means, but I can guess. I can speculate with, with some degree of certainty. That particular defendant, that particular lawyer, does not want to be associated with Donald Trump during this trial. And otherwise, he wouldn't have made that motion. And I think what's going on there is Fulton. Donald Trump spent years slamming Fulton County long before this lawsuit you know, ever was thought of. He criticized uh, this civil rights hero, John Lewis. He said that where John, Lew- John Lewis's district is full of crime and infestation and all of these code words that were really racist. And I live in I, when John Lewis was alive, I lived in his district. So I tweeted a picture of my street which is actually very pretty. Um, but he's been attacking Fulton County for, for many, many years. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I, I think if more defendants make a Speedy Trial Act motion, this is going to get very complicated very quickly. Because is it, I was just reading up on it, under the Speedy Trial Act motion, but doesn't, doesn't everyone on the indictment have to go forward? Because unless there's some sort of a motion to sever? Okay. So you could ask me, and, I, and today I've spent hours <laughs> fielding hard questions from many media outlets. And what the American people don't want to hear, but what is the truth, so I'm going to say it, is there are about 100 difficult legal issues involved in this whole thing. And then if you had all four cases, you know, that gets multiplied, that no one's ever thought of before. We're in a completely new place. And here's the thing about constitutional law. This is not left or right. I'm as critical of the Warren court as I am of the Roberts court. We never know what they're going to do because they just make stuff up all the time. Constitutional law isn't really law. So when I'm asked to predict things, you know, we knew the affirmative action case would come down the way it did. There was no question about that. Sometimes we can predict things. Here, totally unpredictable, a lot of uncertainty. And that's probably how it should be. I'm glad it took over 200 years for our first president to be arrested, right? I mean, that's a good thing. In other countries, it happens far more. In Italy, it's like a badge of honor. Um, So I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know the answer to your question, and no one does. So I think we have to try to be modest. But let me just ask you this this question, Eric. Let's take the the actual individuals out of the case. Um, And and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but let's just say it was a five-defendant drug case, and one of the five defendants puts in this speedy trial motion. What happens? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Okay. I'm a constitutional law professor, so if we get okay. into the weeds, I have a good guess, but I'm not going to guess because I don't do that kind okay. of thing. Okay, so, so just so folks will know, what I read, what I read is yeah. the, the, that all of them, if the judge grant that, granted that motion, they would all have to go to trial. But, and, not, and but it, that can't be right. The, only the ones who haven't made a motion to remove to federal court because that gets done 
you know, automatically. Right. Correct. Yes, now, yes, yes. But, but here's the weird thing. The other thing that, that I hope your audience you know, will, will understand, which is this. In civil cases, if this were just you suing me for breach of contract in, you know, in diversity jurisdiction uh, in, New, in the states of New York, in the state of New York, I could remove that case to federal court and everything that happens in state court stops. Right. You know that everything. Correct. Stops. And, okay. and then the judge decides if the, re, if the removal was appropriate. And if so, it never goes back to state court again. And if not, it gets remanded. That's not true in this case, which is really interesting and, and weird. So explain it, that, it, Professor. Yeah. So, so a bunch of defendants, including Trump, certainly, are going to make motions to remove to federal court. Meadows already did, you know, and all that. Trump did it. Okay, and explain, and just explain to the listeners what, why, like what, the, just, what, what they have, why they're able to do reason. that. For, for a valid reason, and the law is a good law, a federal officer who is charged with a crime in state court can remove that case to federal court if he was acting in the official course of his duties and he has a colorable federal defense. Forget that last part. The big issue in this case, whether it's the removal, whether it's immunity, or whether it's something else, is was Donald – I'm just going to take Trump, not the rest of the defendants. Was Trump acting as president of the United States trying to ensure fair elections, in which case he'd be able to remove and dismiss, probably? Or was he a political candidate trying to either – however you want to put it, steal an election or whatever? If he's a political candidate – he doesn't get to remove the case because he's not a federal officer. But assuming that some or all of these defendants are allowed to remove the case to federal court because they're federal officers, this is the really weird part. Everything in state court can keep going. It's not like civil removal. Everything in state court keeps going right until the moment of a verdict, and then it stops. And then we wait to see what the federal judges do, whether they allow the removal or remand it back to state court. Isn't that bizarre? I mean, civil removal is completely different. Everything stops in state court. We don't want two cases going on at the same time. But here, if the DA wants to, she can pursue this case to the very, very end until the Supreme Court finally says, no, the removal was appropriate, except for the verdict. They can't get to the verdict. Now, you would have to think that um, the... Circuit Court of Appeals, that's the 11th Circuit, I believe, and the Supreme Court of the United States would, would probably put a case like this on an expedited track if that's really... Uh, I don't, I'm not sure at all because, okay, this is going to sound very cynical, and, but I think it's realistic, and I apologize to view, listeners who have a different political bent than I do. Uh, the 11th Circuit has 12 active judges, six of whom were nominated by Donald Trump. One of those six I know pretty well and really, really like and I think would do the right thing. I think that the following scenario is very possible. The district court makes its decision. It goes up to the Court of Appeals, and they sit on it. And that can be interpreted two ways. Politically, they might want to sit on it just to delay things because that fits their political agenda. But, you know, leaving aside that issue, forget, forget that bad faith. In good faith, I got to tell you, some of these issues are really hard and they're issues of first impression and they're issues, we hope not, but that could come up again in future times, if not with presidents, with other high ranking federal officers. So leaving aside the political part of this, it may take a long time for judges to sort this out. You know? Okay, so let, let, let's just go back for one second. Let me get some free. Let me get some free opinion out of you here. So yeah. obviously, someone like Meadows, who's the chief of staff to the president, was getting paid by the government. You know, he can make the same, very similar argument as 
Donald Trump can, that I was acting in my capacity to make sure that there was a fair election. Rudolph Giuliani now, who's acting as the lawyer for Donald Trump, can he make the argument that I was being the agent, I was assigned by the president of the United States? Can he make that argument with a straight he, face? He, he, can't, he, he can make it with the straightest of faces because there is case law that says, this is kind of crazy, but there's case law that says if I'm, a, if I'm, a, I'm, I'm an independent private commercial contractor, private citizen, and I get a contract from the government, my company, to build a courthouse in Omaha or whatever, and I, the specs, you know, the federal government, as you would expect, sadly, has like a million different requirements for all this stuff. So the federal government is telling you what to do. It has been held that if the federal government, if you're a private citizen and the federal government is giving you your marching orders, you're a federal officer for purposes of that statute. And okay. you can remove the case a lot of times. So Giuliani can make that argument. Now, I don't know if there's a case that says a lawyer can make that argument, but I don't see why not. Right. If a, if a contractor who's being directed by a federal officer can make the argument, why not a lawyer? Seems to make sense to me. But all of this. Clark and Giuliani and Meadows, all three of them, again, were they working for the president to, to make sure the election was free and fair, or were they working for a candidate who told the secretary of state of Georgia to find one more vote that he needed to win the election? And that's a factual question, and that leads to more uncertainty. You're a lawyer, a smart one, so let me ask you this. If there's a disputed question of material fact, about whether or not Donald Trump was acting as the president or acting as the political candidate, or for that matter, same thing for Giuliano, Giuliani, Meadows, and Clark. If there's a disputed issue of material fact, there has to be at least an evidentiary hearing. Right. That's exactly what I was right. going to say. I would say, okay, you know what? I'm going to have a hearing. I'm going to put Donald Trump on the stand. I'm going to put Giuliani on the stand. I'm going to put Meadows on, on the stand. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You as a lawyer would put Donald Trump on the... No, 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 no. I'm talking about the judge. If I'm the judge and you want me, I'm ordering a hearing. Mr. Idala, you're representing Rudolph Giuliani or you're representing Donald Trump. Present your evidence to me that he was acting in his capacity as the president of the United States. Now, it doesn't have to be Donald Trump on the stand. It could be uh, his secretary or his assistant who said, yes, you know, he, he whatever, whatever evidence that they may have. There may be an internal memo. There may be someone who overheard something that the judge is going to allow some form of hearsay in. But let me ask you a question. And this also is unknown territory. <laughs> the question I'm about to ask, if you're those defendants and the judge has already conceded there's a material issue of fact here, and, 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 you know, I think there will be. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you, one could make the argument that it takes more than a hearing to sort that out. And I'm not I even think, sure it's appropriate. And, and Professor, I, I got sure you. it's appropriate for the judge to do it. Here's, here's my opinion is they're desperate to get into federal court. I'm just speaking now as an observer for no, several right. reasons, right. right? I mean, they, they need to do anything they can. And, and folks, just yeah. so you understand why, if – if Donald Trump becomes president of the United States and still has to stand trial in Georgia and gets convicted in Georgia, he does not have standing to pardon himself because it is a state case. He doesn't have the jurisdiction over it. He's got to be in federal court. If Ron DeSantis becomes. No, 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 no. Sorry. That's not true. That's wrong. Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, good. No, correct me. Correct me. Correct me. No, no. If the case is removed to federal court and not dismissed for immunity. Right. That's the first thing. There's going to be a motion to dismiss no trial you know, for immunity. But right. assuming that's denied and there's a trial, it is a, it is still a state crime. And no one can pardon him except for the Georgia governor board, board of pardon and paroles. And, and, and you should distribute your sentence. So 
No, it's still a state. It's a very strange statute. So wait, just, I, I, my producer's going to kill me because our time is up, Professor. But are you telling me if he goes into federal court and he's yeah. tried for a federal crime? No, it's not a federal crime. It's, a st- it's still Georgia. It's still state crimes. And in fact, the Georgia DA can try the case. But just, just in a federal courthouse? Yes. In front of a federal judge? Except, except here's, the, here's the deal. The federal rules of civil procedure apply. So all the, you know, all the and evidence and all that stuff. But anything substantive, like what are the elements of the crime, what do you have to prove, all of that is still Georgia law. It's like a diversity case and a civil case, which I'm sure you're familiar with. That means when one citizen of a state sues another citizen of a different state in federal court because that, the court acts like an umpire, it is the law of the state that matters. Well, this, even if it gets removed, the same moved to federal court or it's in federal court. The same is true here. It's all Georgia law in federal court, which is a very strange thing, in my opinion. But that's how it works. Wow. So no. Professor Eric Siegel, I, I can't thank you enough. And, and by the way, I, just so you know, from the next time you come on, I love when you correct me because, you know, what do I know? I, I, I'm wrong all the time. That's how I know I'm smart is I know how, I I how, how often it. I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, you're, great. you're really great. I appreciate you being on the show. Okay. We will talk to you soon. Professor Eric Siegel, we're going to come back with Judge George Grasso. And then I got to tell you what happened with me in court today on the Laura Pazienza case. It was, you know, a pretty emotional day for all of us. All right, we're, we're, we're not going to back down. We'll be right back. And I won't back down. Well, I know what's right. I got just one life. In a world that keeps on pushing me. tonight on a special edition of Radio Night Live. It is Wellness Wednesday, so we'll of course talk with Marty McCary and Dr. Douglas Howard, but we'll also get a debate preview from Brooke Singman of Fox and Friends Early. That's all tonight starting at 7. You make sure his toys don't have any sharp edges. You taught her what to do when the smoke alarm goes off and to wear a helmet when she rides her bicycle. You do so much to keep your child safe, but are you using the right car seat for your child? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. For information on the right seat for your child, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. Sponsored by the New York State Governor's Traffic Safety Committee. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna & Kamins, the preeminent New York litigation law firm. The tires screech, the impact is felt. Boom, you've just been in a car accident. It's a scary situation that none of us want to experience. But if you have been injured in a car accident, then you may be entitled to significant monetary compensation for your injuries. It's important you speak to an attorney right away to make sure your rights are protected. Myself and our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you deserve. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. So if you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call Idala Bertuna and Kamen at 212-486-0011. That's 212-486-0011. Or visit us on the web at idalalaw.com. Idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Kamen's fighting for justice, fighting for you. So let's talk about my friends at Plaza College. Um, you know, it's back to school season now, right? Ugh, can't believe it. The summer's gone. Whoosh. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of people who are kind of like floating around there. Like they don't exactly know what to do. You know what you should tell them to do? <clears throat> go check out Plaza College. Go to plazacollege.com. Go to their website. 
and see all of the different schools that they have. Um, the one, obviously, I focus on all the time, and I was dealing with the court reporters today. I was actually very nice because it was a lot of stress and pressure in the courtroom. I went over in the beginning and just gave her my card, so she had everything right there in front of her, so my notice of appearance was not such a big deal. But court reporting is such a great job. Uh, they are such an integral jo- uh, part of our legal system, and they get a tremendous amount of respect, and they make some good money. You could also do freelance stuff uh, if you want. In other words, if you don't want to work for a particular entity, you could be a freelance court reporter. Kind of set your own hours. You're able to say, okay, I'll do this job, but I won't do that job because I'm going to my child's dance recital. Courts, schools, television stations, they're all seeking court reporters to record and caption everything from depositions, classes, live shows, and sporting events. With the national shortage of court reporters, the National Court Reporters Association partnered with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. You know I wish that I had Jesse's Jesse's girl. Love this song. Back in the 80s, baby. Well, maybe this is even the 90s. I'm not sure. Um, let's talk to my friend, Judge George Grasso. He was a, an esteemed member of the NYPD for decades. Uh, he then became a, somewhere in between there, somewhere in there, he became a lawyer. And then he became a judge. Then he became the chief judge of Queens County. Um, he, he just ran on uh, the Democratic line for um, Queens County District Attorney. Now he's running as an independent. Uh, I'm sure he's going to tell us right now. Uh, the one, the only Judge George Grasso. Judge, what line are you running on for, for Queens District Attorney? Hello, Arthur. Public safety line. And thank you for having me on your show this evening. Great to hear oh. your voice again, my friend. All, all, all the best, Judge. And, you know, with your... With your wisdom and experience, both in you know, law enforcement as a police officer, as a lawyer, as a judge, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, you know, let's everyone around here is talking about the migrants, the migrants, the migrants. Um, judge Grasso, you know, I'll, I'll hand it off to you and you, you tell me what your thoughts are. And then I'll tell you what my thoughts are. And we could go back and forth a little bit. Well, I mean, it's 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 a hot mess. I mean, regardless of what one's political ideology is, it's a mess. And um, it's obvious to me that, you know, there is no plan. Uh, Mayor Adams really doesn't have much of a comprehensive plan. You you really get in there that they're making it up as you go along. But in fairness to Mayor Adams, you know, that President Biden doesn't seem to have a plan. Congress doesn't seem to have a plan. I mean, the latest numbers we're looking at, over 100,000 migrants in New York City. And I happen to live in Queens, obviously. I'm running for Queens DA, and I live a few miles from Creedmoor. So I'm very much aware, you know, a 1,000 migrant men 
and maybe they're prepared to go up to two or three thousand. I'm hearing in in the community, and as far as I know, and I've spoken to a lot of people, the community was never consulted in a meaningful way by the city. And and you're going to put a thousand starting with a thousand men. I understand it's going to be all all men, and and okay, they're going to get they're going to get shelter, they're going to get food, but there's going to be no supervision. I mean, this is insane. And and Governor Hochul, as far as as far as I can see, you know, they, they, she she publicized this letter blasting Adams, you know. But what is Governor Hochul doing? Uh, what about Nassau Coliseum? As far you know, I actually saw a proposal by the Queensborough President Donovan Richards that he made publicly, shared by Hazel, Hazel Dukes, ahead of the New York State NAACP. I mean, I think that they're onto something there. You know, you got this huge coliseum. It's basically is empty space. It's not in the middle of a residential community. So that's something that needs to be considered too. But also, we need to get to the bottom of this problem. You know, and and this isn't again. To me, as far as the right and the left, that's why I'm public safety. I'm not ideological. I just like to make things work. Back in 2006, we had a comprehensive immigration bill led by John McCain uh, and with a number of other other Republicans, including Lindsey Graham, joined by people like Ted Kennedy. And it, it included border, serious border security. The reason that got shot down is because it had a path to citizenship. Hard right people in the House thought we could, in the House of Representatives, we can deport 10 to 15 million people. Not only is that inhumane, people have been living here legally for years anyway, but it just couldn't happen. On the, on the side of the left, I mean, who are these knuckleheads that came up with the idea in states like New York? I believe Cuomo, he's one of them, signed an executive order a number of years ago. New York is not going to be cooperating with the federal government on immigration issues. People are in the, in, in the city and in the state illegally. That's why we get this sanctuary city, sanctuary state status. It's like we're in a civil war amongst ourselves. Well, and a judge... lot of people on both ends, I just want to finish the point, on both ends, I think they would rather have the issue than have the solution. And that's why I think we're in this mess, Arthur. Well, that's a very interesting point, how you ended. They'd rather have the issue than the solution. And yeah, I could say that about, about a lot of things because it gives them... It gives the media things to write about. It gives people a, a platform. <clears throat> I know that there's two things, Judge. You know, on right up the block from me here on the Roosevelt Hotel, you know, I see these families and I see these kids, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kids here with their dad and their mom, and school's coming out. School starts next week. And, you know, these kids didn't choose, oh, I'm going to leave Venezuela and come here. I'm going to leave El Salvador and come here. They're literally sitting on the street, and thank God the weather's been good, sitting on the street of 45th right. Street by Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. They, some of them have phones. Some of them have little games. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, I don't, we don't want them in Creedmoor. We don't want them in, in uh, Floyd Bennett Field. And we don't want them in Staten Island. My heart breaks for these kids. Like, where are they going to go? I mean, you know, they're here now. You want to talk about the problem of three months ago? Like, they should have never been able to come here but obviously they're leaving somewhere or their parents are leaving somewhere that's not so great for them to come here i just agree with you that maybe more people aren't focusing on solutions they're they're pointing fingers i know that today the mayor asked 
Governor Hochul for uh, use some sort of emergency powers to and to put to your point about Nassau Coliseum to uh, basically make other counties uh, what are there 61 or 62 in the state take some of these migrants and and you know right. bring them in and give them shelter right right I think I think Hochul is is trying to do a total dodge on this uh, I am I am greatly unimpressed so far with Hochul you know, stepping in and taking the initiative. I think she's more than happy to take half a step back and let, you know, Mayor Adams take the hits on it. And we can't be playing politics with this issue. The problem with a place like Creedmoor is you take a 1,000 men and then maybe you're ready to pump it up to another 2,000 or 3,000. These are residential communities. You put, you put in, and, and then, you know, day and night, you wander around the community. You, you don't know who you're getting. There's no screening. You're right. So, so that's where the Nassau Coliseum, that's when I thought Donovan Richards and Hazel Duke's proposal made a lot of sense. You know, I also think Floyd Bennett Field, which is uh, federally owned, makes a lot of sense, too. You know, we can't be dropping them in the middle of residential communities. I, you know what I say with Creedmoor? We've got it was a mental. It's supposed to be a mental health facility. Look what's going on on our subways and the streets with mentally ill homeless. Another woman just had her nose broken on the I subway know. in Brooklyn the other day. I heard. Bring back get Creedmoor back in operation, dealing with the mentally ill, giving us an off ramp to help people instead of bringing in a thousand migrants when we've got an empty Nassau Coliseum out there. That's where the governor comes in. Well, I and I'm going to leave you uh, with this, Judge. First of all, because I'm running out of time, just tell people if they want to learn more about you where where to go online to find out about Judge George Grasso. Okay, Grasso for Queens. Just go right online. You're going to see my platform. I've got a comprehensive website. You're going to see I've got a public safety line. Vote public safety. I'm on the ballot November seventh. I I got over ten thousand signatures from Queens voters to get that line. I'm appealing to Republicans, Democrats, and independents. I'm not an ideologue. Whatever works, if it's considered conservative, fine. If it's considered liberal, fine. Whatever works. And another time we've got to talk about what's going on with this burgeoning shoplifting crisis and Melinda Katz coming up with this plan that we're going to have trespass affidavits. And, and this is going to be the countywide plan she put it in place in Flushing in June. They made five arrests. It's uh, a band-aid. Uh, it's a band-aid. Judge, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, you know how this radio thing works. I'm up against a hard yes. break, so I got to jump. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. Warm regards to your wife for me, please. Thank you, Arthur. Good stay in touch. Bye. All right, folks, we'll be right back. And I'll tell you what happened with me in court today, and I'll give you a little update on Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. Don't go anywhere. I want to introduce you to a unique health care provider that may make your life easier called InfuCare RX. Under the watchful eye of my good friend, Devin Patel, founder and CEO, InfuCare RX is a leading nationwide specialty infusion pharmacy provider for patients with complex conditions. If you're currently in need of infusion services, whether IV or sub-Q infusions, InfuCare RX can offer a positive lifestyle change by providing these services in the comfort of your home. 
rather than from a clinic or hospital. Patients of InfuCare RX have access to their full clinical team via phone and digital access 24-7-365. Speak with your doctor and see if you're a candidate for the safe and convenient at-home infusion services of InfuCare RX. To review the services, please go to InfuCareRx.com. That's I-N-F-U-C-A-R-E-R-X.com. InfuCare RX, improving quality of life one patient at a time. So I want to talk about my good friends at Bay Ridge Honda. They really are my good friends, by the way. Um, the Sabah family, they have owned Bay Ridge Honda for six decades. And it is a really an exquisite operation. It's why they're one of the number one Honda dealerships in the United States of America. And right now, they are turning up the heat by saving you $1,500. Yep, $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with Bay Ridge Honda. Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, Queens, the Bronx, they all choose Bay Ridge Honda because you can browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award winning dealership. And right now, you're going to get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, you're going to receive the $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with Bay Ridge Honda. And even if you don't buy a car from them, but you want to get rid of your car, they'll buy your car from you. So visit them at Bay Ridge Honda on 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. These deals are available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. The sale ends on October, oh, August 30th, 2023. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The Answer. June, the Strokes. Go, Alex. Alex, thank you for all your help today. My pleasure. Um, let's see real quick. It's today in 1980, Elvis Costello, the Heat Wave Festival in Toronto, Canada, took place with the Talking Heads, Elvis Costello, the B-52s, the Pretenders. Tickets cost $30 with only 50,000 people attending the festival. So it lost over a million bucks. And a couple of birthdays today. Gene Kelly, who won the... Uh, uh, who uh, won an Academy Award for Best Picture in 1952 for Singing in the Rain, would have been 111 today. He died on February 2nd, 1996, at the age of 83. Keith Moon, the drummer for The Who, uh, he would have been 77 today. He died in 1978 at the age of 32. He died unceremoniously. Kobe Bryant, he spent his 20-year career at the NBA, with the Los Angeles Lakers, this whole, the whole time he would have been 45 today. He died in that crash on January 26, 2020, at the age of 41. And then River Phoenix, the actor, the older brother of Joaquin Phoenix, um, he would have been 53 today. He died on October 31st, 1993, at the age of 23. That's rough. Speaking of rough, today was a little rough. In court. I mean, what a day for, for our law firm. Um, we, we're all over the place. <laughs> How do I say this with humility? Um, John Esposito, my partner, my friend of 33 years, I interned for him in the summer of 1990 in the Manhattan DA's office. He, um, 
he went down this morning with Mayor Giuliani um, to Atlanta. They got the bond done. They they made the deal with the prosecutor. They got the bond done. They got it signed. They got it filed. Rudy had to take this mugshot that's all over the Internet now. But there's pictures of John everywhere. His name is everywhere. I spoke to people in the media today. You know, I'm not really blowing this um Blowing this up big time from a media point of view, we we did this to represent uh, Rudy. You know, he needs a little help right now, so we're we're helping him out. I don't know if we're going to stay in the whole time. Maybe you know he could find a lawyer uh, down there who's willing to do things a little less expensively than we would if we have to run with the whole case. But if he really is uh, in some bad shape financially, we're we're not going to leave him hanging. We'll figure it out one way or the other. So John was down there in a media circus, and I was up here. The Lauren Pazienza case is a case that, I mean, it got tremendous media attention. There must have been, I don't know, 15, 18 news outlets in the courtroom today. Um, it was it was packed. The courtroom was packed. And Lauren Pazienza did plead guilty to... Um, uh, manslaughter in the first degree, which was the top count. Um, and she faced up to 25 years in jail. The initial offer from the prosecutor, which continued almost throughout, was 15 years in jail. Um, but I was able to secure a plea from her through the court uh, for eight years in jail, She's, which is a very long amount of time. But she has admitted to doing something very bad, which was, you know, pushing... Miss Gustern, an 87-year-old um, opera coach, pushing her basically for no reason. Miss Gustern hadn't done anything with her to her, and pushing her, and she fell and she hit her head, and days later in the hospital she died. Um, if you really want to know the, <clears throat> I think the the punishment is is as severe as it is for Lauren Pazienza. Not as much for the push, but after the push. Um, Lauren left the scene. I think had she stayed there and called 911 and got help, I think the numbers of her um, of her sentence, which will be on September 29th, would have been a lot lower. And the it was a very emotional day for her and for her family. And when we left the courthouse, very rare for me, um, you know, the family just wanted to be with me, so I did not speak to the media. I just went and spent some time with my my client's family, and um, you know, I told basically I told Lauren that it's this is the beginning of the end of this part of her life. Um, she's been in for a year and a solid year and change. She probably has to do five more years of this term of eight years. She'll be out at thirty three years old, and you know, she can start her life anew. I mean, that's. 22 years younger than I am now, and there's plenty to do in those <laughs> that time frame. It's a tragedy <clears throat> for both families. Obviously, the Gustern family lost a beautiful woman who still had a lot of life left in her, and her life was cut short, and that's horrible. Her grandson, her sister, cousins, she had a lot of friends in the courtroom today. And for Lauren, obviously, her her life has been altered permanently. Um, and uh, for her family as well, and and her distant, you know, her extended family. 
Big day in the law here at Idola Pertuna and Commons. I am taking Luca to Boston to see Springsteen tomorrow night, to see the Red Sox versus the Dodgers Friday night. I'll be back on Monday. Joni will be here tomorrow with a great show. See you Monday. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.